Rising 1969, a New York Jets podcast. We got a Friday episode, October 20th, sitting comfy in the bye week. Uh, basically going to do a big recap of the Eagles-Jets game, even though we're a few extra days removed. Um, we're going to talk about some of the, you know, notes, snap counts, stuff we've kind of been taking an eye at the last few weeks, talk about the Mecole Hardman trade as well, too, other potential moves that the Jets might have to make. Uh, before we get to that, before I bring Theodore in, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Theodore is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake with four A's in there. Teddy, thank you so much for being lax this week as we uh, shuffled things around and ended up recording a Thursday pod. I'm family in town and they've been in town for officially a week now i'm ready for them to get out um but happy <laughs> to get an hour away from them so we can do this how you doing yeah yeah man doing good doing good um been a little bit longer since anyone has has listened to us but i'm excited to be back you know and and we got a little bye week so no no real uh game to preview you know so we can just spend some time kind of talking about last week and talking about kind of the team as a whole and, and where things are going from here. So definitely excited to dive in. Yeah. And it was a uh, very exciting game as well, too. Uh, you know, it was uh, really unfortunate that we couldn't do a uh, game recap Sunday because uh fantastic win, you know, probably the best feeling win of the season, unless you want to talk about the walk-off in week one kind of had the gray cloud looming over it with the, uh, with the, the Rogers injury. So this one definitely just all over just felt yeah. really great. Um, Jets able to take down the Eagles uh, 20 to 14, you know, a team that we talked about beforehand, you know, one of the best in the league went in as one of the final two remaining undefeateds, um, them and San Francisco go down to me, you know, the story as it is a lot for the Jets over the last year and a half was this defense, three interceptions from Jalen Hurts, one of you know, his worst game as a starter in his career after really a year and a half, maybe two years of really solid play out of him. Um, so, you know, three picks, but then also throw on top of that, 12 pass deflections, four tackles for loss, two sacks, four QB hits, a forced fumble and recovery. Defense was all over the field, um, made life really miserable for a very tough offense to defend. You know, when we previewed this game and I thought Philadelphia was going to walk away with, you know, maybe even a 10-point victory is probably what I predicted. Um, I, I just thought, you know, between the rush attack mixed in with Hertz as a runner and then the wide receiver duo of A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, I just thought that there was going to be kind of like the Dallas game where it was going to be you can't really defend every single aspect of this team, but they did a fantastic job. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, the defense itself and how they stepped up against a really tough Philly offense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the defense was awesome, 100 um, percent. What like real quick, just like as the game as a whole, you know, it was an awesome, awesome win. And and I think the defense continued to play well, what they've been doing for the past few years. And, you know, the offense, it, it certainly wasn't a perfect game, um, but we'll get them into a little bit. But there was, you know, that time when when I was sitting there late in the game being like, I can't believe this was such a winnable game. We had all these opportunities and we just like could not snatch this game and we're going to lose this game that we easily could have won against a great team that we're out playing. Um, and then, you know, the defense came up with another great play with Bryce Hall getting an interception late in the game. I was shocked that Jalen hurts was throwing the ball there. I would have assumed that they would Crazy just throw, you know, run punt the ball mm -hmm. and, and try to just beat this jets offense. Um, 
but no, I mean, this, this was a game similar to a lot of games that we've had where the defense was that X factor for us, you know, four turnovers was unreal. And certainly the Eagles had their moments um, offensively where it seemed like they were playing pretty well, but to me, it was very, um, like you look at where the Eagles succeeded, you know, and it was either Jalen Hurts kind of extending plays, making things happen after the initial play, you know, of, of you know, one, two, three throw or whatever, which mm-hmm. was great to see from the defense. And it was, you know, like a lot of like, hey, we threw the ball up to A.J. Brown and A.J. Brown's just really, really, really good, you know, really good. <laughs> um, and for a Jets team that, you know, wasn't starting um sauce Gardner was out with the concussion which i don't even think we knew during our pregame not until um, and uh, then not until saturday i think is when it was really you know discussed yeah. it was like oh shit he's actually gonna miss this yeah and and dj reed out you know so i do want to shout out uh, the jets had four of their active six. corners they had yeah. michael carter they had bryce huff tay hayes i believe yes and then craig james and you know, Tay Hayes and Craig James, both guys brought up from the practice squad this week. Like, shout out those fucking dudes. They played awesome. They played out of their minds. Can't say enough about guys like that just stepping up, like, you know, in a game against this awesome, awesome Eagles team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the defense as a whole, just awesome, awesome game. They really made things difficult for Jalen Hurts in this Eagles offense. And you could tell, I mean, even early, it was kind of one of those games where it was like, yeah, you know, the defense isn't playing lights out, but they are holding them. They're holding them to field goals. Well, maybe that's not true because they scored two touchdowns, but um, it did really feel like they were, you know, like that first Eagles touchdown, like they got it by like an inch, you know, on a Jalen Hurts fourth and goal from the one yard line. Um, so the defense was just outstanding. And then once you got into the second half, pitched a shutout, the um, defensive line started getting home, started getting those sacks, you know, and it, it really was just a complete game from this defense. Um, and outside of the uh, the cornerbacks, I think a guy that we both want to really talk about is Bryce Huff, who had another really, really great game um, from the edge and, and really does feel like he's starting to get the recognition from everyone, you know, the mainstream media, other players of just like, hey, this is one of the better defensive ends in the league. Yeah, I think the best way that I like to think of Huff is, you know, he his story and his arc, obviously, from, you know, <clears throat> to just come out of nowhere, essentially, to not get drafted and then to just come on and join it to progressively become what he is now. It It's very reminiscent of, uh, I think, the story that we saw to Quincy Williams, you know, starting last year and his ascension. And then, you know, they obviously give him the contract extension. They don't bring back Quan Alexander. And, oh, why is that? Because he is a freak show linebacker and has had a great season so far. This is kind of it on steroids. You know, we knew Bryce Huff was a very valuable piece to this team last year. You know, he was still the first uh, in, in the league in quarterback pressure rate. He just wasn't on the field that often. So I don't think it really got the recognition that it deserved. Um, mm-hmm. And slowly, you know, he's just earning more reps. I think he was out there almost 50% of snaps this past week, which was a, a season or career high. I think it was both. I think it was both a career yep. high and season high for him. And he's he was dominant. You know, another great game on the season, or I guess, you know, just some numbers. You know, on the year, he's first in quarterback pressures on both third and fourth down with 20. He is first in quarterback pressure rate at 28.9%. 
first in quarterback pressures over the last two weeks, specifically with 15, um, and then fourth in total QB uh, pressures um, this entire season. So just another game um, and uh, of just dominance. And it's a story that you're just like, this is a, this is no longer just like this really feel good story. It's like, this is a a cornerstone piece of this, like a foundational piece for yeah, this defense. Yeah. He's still a young guy. He's due for a contract extension, which, you know, the jets might want to start even just looking at that now, as opposed to maybe the end of the season. If you're looking at it financially, obviously I think he would maybe want to wait till the end of the year, you know, just pile to really up pile stats. up some stats there, but you know, just a guy that you, you know, you cannot let him leave this organization, um, especially the, you know, we, we continue to say when we talk about guys like Carl Loss and other, you know, free agent signings, like the guys that you really value, are the ones that, you know, put in the work, come there as Jets day one and slowly just rise up to this level. It's it's such an awesome story. And he is a, a difference maker for this Jets defense. Yeah, yeah. I've loved seeing Bryce Huff go from kind of like the underrated guy who plays 17% of snaps, you know, and only comes in on third down, but is really effective when he's in there. You know, like that was great, but to see him become more of a every down player really out there, really, you know, one of the main guys in the rotation and just dominating, you know, and 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 you have a, a veteran with name value in Carl Lawson. You have two first round draft picks um, in Will McDonald and and Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff, you know, who's just been here, been here, been here is the one who's really making the headlines. Um, and we've talked about how bad the Jets need this like improved edge presence, you know, like even in this game, it felt like we were getting there, but we just couldn't get Jalen Hurts down, you mm -hmm. know, um, but then kind of once that second half came, we really did start getting there, had a couple sacks. Um, so yeah, awesome, awesome game from Bryce Huff. Do also want to shout out, um, well, you brought him up. So I'll also shout out Quincy Williams, another just absolutely phenomenal day um had the fumble recovery had a great game him and cj mosley are currently the top two linebackers in coverage or something like that i forgot what the exact stat is um my apologies there but, but whoa <laughs> what was that for youtube fans a lot of colors oh am i still here screen. all right you're here but the colors are changing on your screen it was very funny my whole <laughs> i both my i got two screens both of them just went black so oh, i was i assumed i was really? gone no I'm no happy. you're here. here that's funny um um yeah but anyway so bryce off quincy williams i mean both playing outstanding and then i do also want to shout out defensively um jermaine johnson who i thought mm -hmm. had his most yep. productive game um, he had three pass deflections, which is an awesome stat to see, to get three of those in one game as a defensive lineman. He had, you know, not a sack, but got to Jalen hurts and forced one of the INTs, um, earlier in the game. So, you know, all around phenomenal, phenomenal day from the defense. I don't know what's going on with my setup right now. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, so yeah. it's I'll pass changing it back colors to all over you. <laughs> you're still here. Um, the defense is so funny to me because there were points early on in the season where people were really coming at the defense, you know, and, and the Dallas game, you could get frustrated with, but really the offense never put the defense in a position to do anything or to, you know, make a stand. Um, but there were points this year where they were like really coming down on the defense. You take a look at the numbers so far in the year, just as, you know, even outside of just this game, um, you know, everybody sees the stats on Twitter. They've allowed, you know, one second half touchdown all season, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, three of the best offenses in football have scored six points in the second half of their games against the Jets. They've held quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen, 
Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson to their lowest PFF grades all year. Just a dominant, dominant showing for this defense. And we talk about the halftime adjustments. You're like, oh, it'd be great to do that in the first half. Something clicks for these guys. Um, and, and and they really come out strong in that third and fourth quarter. And look, I'll take it because if the offense is doing its part and keeping itself within reach of all these games, if you're going to turn up on those final 30 minutes and make the right adjustments, you know, Albrecht is pushing all the right buttons. He's getting the most out of all these guys here. And it's it's a great combination of, you know, stars that have already been there. You know, Quinnen's a stud. Sauce, even though out not here this past weekend, stud. DJ Reed's stud. But then you've also got these young guys coming up and even these, these you know, not unknowns. They're known to us, but unknowns to the NFL world. It's a perfect combination of you are getting great contributions of just like every type of player. Um, and look, you know, they they who was it beforehand that said that, you know, they wanted to be the 85 Bears like they're not they're not the 85 Bears, but they are. This was one of those games where you walk away and you're like, this is this is a defense people like at the end of this season and years beyond, there's a chance that this could be up there with like the, you know, 2012 Seahawks or these historic defenses that you're like, man, the, the work they put in against the quarterbacks they faced. Um, it, it, it's been such a great start to this season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do want to, you know, as we're talking about these guys and how successful this defense has been, I do want to shout out Joe Douglas, you know, as a GM, um, because like guys like Bryce Huff and Quincy Williams, who, you know, aren't drafted and, and you're, um, getting off of waivers from other teams or picking up as undrafted free agents. I mean, hits on those players, you, you we're seeing it, you know, it can be huge for a team, um, to really just like be relevant and be very, very good. Um, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about a specific free agent signing. And I think people, often when the jets are struggling, like to kind of nitpick, you know, moves that Joe Douglas has had that maybe yeah. aren't, you know, perfect. But when I try to think of a GM, I think you need to look very holistically at the team. You look at what this team was before Joe Douglas, what this team is now, what this defense is now. Um, and I mean, it's night and day and, and you really can't say enough about this defense. Like my, um if you if if you listen to the pregame pod I was very kind of like like I wanted to really be like hey listen our defense is so good that we can hang around with anyone and we can make this a game you know and I was just a little hesitant because the defense has given up a little more yards than they have in previous years teams have been able to move the ball um and you know obviously you need that offensive component as well to kind of just keep the defense off the field a little bit and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, we were really able to come out here and have another one of these games that has really become our identity, you know, which is low scoring tight games. We're not going to let you score a lot of points and we'll just try to really outscore you in the end, you know, and we were able to do it this week. So lots of shout outs to the Jets. Lots of shout outs to Joe Douglas. I, I'm sure you saw the video of him and Robert Sala oh, coming dude. off the field. Dude. You know, that's got to feel good for <laughs> Joe, especially against this former team. Yeah, um, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, if you are at any point still questioning, you know, the legitimacy yeah. of of Joe Douglas and Robert Sala's ability to do their jobs, like you're just you're right. looking to nitpick the smallest of smallest. Like, OK, yeah, Michael Hardman, they traded away after signing for a, a, a one year deal, like all these stories like. Look at even outside if you want to talk free agency, like the turnaround from Lakin, great. The DJ Reed signing, great. Like all levels of, you know, some free agents, 
some draft picks and some undrafted guys, like their evaluation has been great. Yeah, you can hang their hat on, oh, they didn't get the right quarterback at pick two. Well, you know what? Half the teams have first round quarterbacks bust. You know, it's like, I understand people will nitpick and they'll continue to say stuff about the Zach Wilson pick or all these guys, Carl Lawson, that don't make it out. But like you were saying, before Joe Douglas and Robert Salas showed up, this was a shell of an organization. And we're here a year and a half now where we say, with average quarterback play, it is one of the better teams in football. And and they just have been trying to get close to that. And to speak on that, if you're ready to switch things over to the offense, last few weeks, very, very pleased with this offense. Yes, And, and specifically, I want to look at Zach Wilson. Um, we can talk about the offense as a whole, but just the, the numbers of Zach Wilson since things kind of flipped around in that Kansas City game Sunday night, um, the numbers are insane. So weeks one through three, Zach Wilson was completing 52.38% of his passes. That is terrible. That is w- worst in football. 155 yards per game, two touchdowns to four picks, and a quarterback rating of 57.0. Since the Kansas City game, so Kansas City, Denver, and Philadelphia uh, this past Sunday, he's up to 67.35 completion percentage, 210 yards per game, two touchdowns, one pick, and a quarterback rating of 87.5. Now, you can look at the yards per game and say, well, 210 is still just like on the lower end of a starting quarterback. You could take a look at the two touchdowns and you're like, well, that doesn't, you know, guys get, you know, four in a game. Um, but what it is, is him cleaning up just the messiness, like the efficiency that we have seen out of Zach Wilson is what we have been begging since really, you know, even before we were doing this show, his rookie season, like we just wanted to see that you could be this Quarterback that could just keeps the team afloat, can keep it simple, make the easy reads, make the easy throws. He has stepped up in such a big way these last three weeks, and they're not playing nobodies. The Denver game, sure. The defense is terrible. Kansas City and Philadelphia are two top 10 defenses at the very worst. Philadelphia is a top five defense, and uh, I just I couldn't be happier with his improved play these last few weeks. And it's not, you know, these wild plays. It's just getting the job done and doing the part of a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I want to say like underrated, but I also think that most people are pretty aware, but like what Zach Wilson was doing before, you know, last season and his rookie season and the first couple of games this year, like it wasn't just like, you know, we're never going to win with this guy. Like this guy isn't going to, this guy's fine, but he's not enough to take us over the top. Like that wasn't the story with Zach Wilson. You know, the story was like, holy shit, this guy won't get rid of the ball. He has bad turnovers. He, you know, really does, you know, like you don't want to put it on one player, but in a lot of ways it was like, he kind of lost us the game today because if you don't turn the ball over, if you don't do these things, like if you're able to get the ball into your playmaker's hands, you know, we've been saying it for a year and a half now, like if we could just get some average quarterback play, this team should be able to thrive. Um, and, you know, here we go, right? Like, like you have this number here. We've averaged almost 24 points per game the past three weeks. Like how many times we've been doing this podcast for two years, two full off seasons. How many times have we just been like, just score above 22 points a game. And with this defense, you'll probably be able to win some of them. Dude, I was asking for 17 to 20. I was just like, get me above 17, Literally, Just get 17 and up. And for him to come out and play the way he's played has definitely been exciting. And I think, you know, 
I've, I've this season, I've talked a lot about like earlier um, in the season, it felt like, you know, we're just watching what happened last year. Right. And you can look at this game, right? 20 to 14. It was 20 to 12 with not a lot of time left on the clock. We got a pick six that put us into the red zone. And then we relied on our rushing game to, you know, punch it in and get us the win. Like that is potentially a, a storyline that you could have had from last year. The difference is last year, it would have been like, okay, well, we've scored 12 points on, you know, a, a, a pick six and a BS, um, you know, big play that just ended up working for us. But in, in total, the offense really didn't do much the whole day. When you look at the past couple weeks, we've had an offense that has been able to move the ball, you know, been able to go up and down the field, especially between the 20s. Yep. And we've seen them make adjustments that we wanted to see. We've seen them start running the ball on or throwing the ball on first down. We've seen them get ahead of the sticks, trusting Zach Wilson, you know, to, to make some throws that he needs to make. And yes, there's things we need to clean up in the red zone. And obviously I think in the past two games, we're one for nine in scoring a touchdown in the red zone. And that one was, you know, the Brees Hall touchdown late. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yes, that's a negative. And the, the red zone and the third down offense definitely does need to improve. But the fact you're telling me in the past two weeks, we've had nine drives that got to the red zone like that didn't happen before, <laughs> no, you know, and I, I think a lot of it is on Zach Wilson, just having that confidence to just play average quarterback, you know, how many, like one, two, three, throw, like get the ball out of your hands quick, be, be able to chuck or trust the check down, like all these little things. And then he's mixing in a few deep balls, you know, like to me, it really does feel like this offense is. I think Robert Salas said it, you know, it feels like they're right there. They're so close and they've yet to really turn it on. But, you know, with some help from the defense, granted, we've been able to score 20, 31 points, 24 points the past three weeks. Like it does feel like we are like, we're almost like, like, like that Eagles game, we could have won by a lot more, you know, like we should have. And through penalties um, in the red zone and and inefficiencies on third down we weren't able to get it done and score a ton but it, it feels like this offense really does even have the ability to improve from what we're seeing right now oh, yeah. um, so I think that's huge and I want to I want to point out Nathaniel Hackett you know as a play caller because again obviously need to improve in the red zone need to improve on third down but when you look at his game planning play calling as a whole Last week, you and I were very much like, what is the game plan going to be against this um, against this Eagles defense? That's great. You know, are they going to be willing to throw the ball? Are they going to kind of change things up or are they going to, you know, do the same kind of thing where they're running the ball, running the ball, same kind of plays predictable. Um, and I absolutely loved the game plan, you know, came out in a ton of empty sets. Zach Wilson standing back there with five wide receivers you know, saying, hey, we are going to throw the ball this play and still being able to succeed even with doing that. And then to counteract that with a ton of, you know, 13 personnel, three tight end, one one running back, one receiver. And 
even in those formations, running play action passes, you know, taking the defense by surprise, the just seeing unique and new things that we haven't been seeing the first five weeks that was awesome to me because it proved to us that Hackett is willing to make adjustments willing to try things willing to stick with what's working despite potentially a, a you know different type of game plan um I, my overall thing really is like it wasn't perfect there's things to improve but I really do think this offense largely looked very very good you know had five scoring drives um and and if we can start turning some of these field goals into touchdowns i mean we should be able to continue to have an above average or above average offense give me average with the potential that one or two games when we need to go above average and we just we catch a lucky break and stuff like that you know the numbers i mean to me the completion percentage because that was zach wilson's just like I mean, it was just like our our calling card to just like this guy just cannot get it done. I mean, he's around the likes of, you know, Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins. He's higher than Trevor Lawrence, higher than Jalen Hurts, he's higher not than Russell 50% Wilson anymore. Dude, <laughs> it felt it, like he it, couldn't sorry. get over that fifty five percent mark. And I should have specified over these last three games, that's where he ranks yep. right now. Not on the season. On the season, he's still pretty low because those first three you know, we're, we're really bad. Um, he's sitting at 60.4 on the season, which would be 29. But if you were just to take this small sample size, he is among the top 12 to 15 out of quarterbacks. And if you can give me that efficiency with playmakers that you just got to get the ball to, we, we don't need you to be throwing bombs all the time and just taking risky shots, but like, just get it to your best players and let them do the rest of the work, facilitate this offense because it's, it is a talented offense. Um, there are still some pieces that, you know, we're going to discuss that we want to keep seeing developments kind of like the red zone getting better. There's personnel groupings that we want to see out. We want to see guys get more opportunities. we got to talk about the elephant in the room, quite possibly one of the least productive wide receiver seasons of all time that we've ever seen. So that'll be a fun combo, but um, all in all, couldn't be happier with, with what we've seen continue to develop out of the offense these last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A um, few other things I want to talk about before we, we moved to the uh, the personnel things and and some uh, trades that may have gone down. Um, you know, just the the Garrett Wilson targets is a really good thing to see. Um, I can't. I think he had like nine this past mm-hmm. week. He had twelve three weeks ago, seven two weeks ago. Um, understanding that, like, we just need to get the ball into our best players' hands more. And putting that on Zach Wilson and um, Nathaniel Hackett, like to see that clearly being stressed, you know, and it's one of those things where like the squeaky wheel gets the grease and Garrett Wilson is, you know, a top tier receiver. And with that comes that kind of diva mentality where it's like, hey, why the hell am I not getting the ball? Um, And and it's rightfully deserved, in my opinion. And you, you to see him have a whatever it was eight catch almost 100 yard day um it's just exactly what you want to see from this offense is getting the ball into his hands um and then i do want to hear your thoughts on the running game and Brees hall specifically um potentially as well as dalvin cook because i do think that um there likely still is criticism out there that hey, Brees Hall is one of your best players, one of the best running backs in the league. He should have more than, let me check here, what were his stats? 
um, 12 carries for 39 yards. Like, I mean, 12 carries isn't that bad, but you know, people really want to keep seeing that number improve. Um, my take, I think, you know, he had five receptions, five targets. They are yeah. getting him the ball and getting him touches. So I'm not super stressed about that. Right. Um, but did, did you feel like we should have been running the ball more potentially? I think what they've got going is I like, I, I just wouldn't tinker with it right now. There is something to having a balanced offense and you could say, yeah, they're, they're passing it a little bit more right now, but like you said, it's, they're still getting him involved in the passing game, which can almost just be another layer of disguise. You know, I think yeah. defenses after seeing, you know, the first few weeks of Zach Wilson, and obviously they'll have to readjust given his improved play, but the story was, okay, let's just stack the box against Brees and we'll just, you know, hopefully things go, you know, we can make Zach Wilson lose the game for the Jets. But now that Zach Wilson is kind of doing his part a little more, you can back off of that. But if you're still hounding in on the run game, just get a little bit more creative. If you're giving me 12 carries and five catches, that's that's a yeah. good amount of touches to a star and player. It, and it was like we weren't really running the ball that effectively, you know? So to me, right. it was one of those things exactly. where like those, those arguments, those criticisms are just kind of like, you know, you got to take, yeah, situational is the perfect word. Like you got to kind of, take everything in context and it's like sure Brees Hall um could have gotten more touches but he's also you know he's 12 for 39 we weren't running the ball well so we we were able to throw it you know um so yeah I'd agree there um I don't know you want to get into some of these snap counts next yeah I think you know, there's a Mikol Hardman talk to have. We can save that for the end. But I think outside of the red zone offense, just, you know, continuing to see certain guys' roles increase, certain roles dwindle. You know, we got to talk Randall Cobb. This is a very big story. I think that's really been brewing for a bit. And people were at one point arguing Mikol over Randall. Hardman is obviously not there. So the argument is now, okay, well, how about Xavier Gibson? If we if if, if Gibson took the Mikol Hardman role, can we get him out there instead of Cobb? Um, Cobb last week, 36 snaps to Xavier Gibson, seven, and Meikle had six. So if you assume that, you know, Gibson can get up into that 13 range, you're still like, well, why is Randall Cobb dominating that that role out there as wide receiver three? Um, on the season, EPA per pass with Randall Cobb on the field, the Jets it would rank 32nd in the NFL. And if you took the EPA per pass play with Xavier Gibson on the field, it'd be 12th in the NFL. Now, those are very nitpicky stats because Gibson's not on the field that often. But when he is, he's adding a layer to this offense that Randall Cobb is not contributing to. Um, so it's it's one thing now that Mecole is gone and there's one less mouth to have to feed and it's going to be Xavier Gibson's. But at what point do we start to see... Cobb go down because it has not been good. And we know that he was a signing that came with Aaron Rodgers. It was happening, but it's clear that there is another guy out there that deserves a little bit more shine. Um, and so where does that start for the Jets? Yeah. Yeah. So just to be clear, I mean, we'll talk about the specifics later, but Michael Hardman was obviously traded um, back to the chiefs and the big story there, right. Is, is, the Jets got Rodgers. They ended up signing Cobb, who the Jets trusted more and have put on the field. And then we also have Xavier Gibson as the undrafted free agent who has started to hit. Um, it's interesting, right? I I, I kind of have... Um, I don't really know what to think, I guess, because I understand, you know, that that efficiency metric right epa with randall cobb out there and and it puts us at 
32nd in the NFL. And I think there's these stats running around that like Randall Cobb is basically just like the least efficient um, wide receiver, you know, in, in like the history seven years or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah or like long, in this decade. Um, so yeah, it's weird. Cause part of me does think like Randall Cobb, while maybe not being the most explosive player, um, does give that sense of just like a veteran who knows what he's doing out there um, who you can kind of trust, but then you do kind of pair that with like, there hasn't been a ton of production from him. He's had a few bad drops, you know, and, and especially with this Miko trade, it's like, okay, Xavier Gibson, Xavier Gibson, like everyone keeps being like, well, we have Xavier Gibson, so we don't need this, but it's like, we talked about it last week, like Xavier Gibson's not getting a ton of burn on offense. You know, he had two snaps two weeks ago, seven snaps this week. Um, Obviously, Gibson is the punt returner, kick returner, which I think would have been Meikle if we didn't, yeah. you know, keep him on the team and sign yeah. him. Um, but, I, you know, you you definitely do. That is an adjustment that I think people want to see. Um, and it feels like that's the correct move, right? It feels like getting some more explosiveness out there, getting someone who gives you a higher ceiling, um, who is starting to show you that they can be reliable, like, you know, and we've talked about before, right? Like what's best case scenario for the jets, it would be hitting on an undrafted free agent like Gibson, as opposed to just getting decent production from the 40 year old veteran, who's not going to be on the team, you know, potentially next year or in two years. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know. Like, cause, cause I do think it's that weird mix of like, yes, it would be nice to see Gibson get more, but at the end of the day, it just it does just seem like the Jets really have that trust in Randall Cobb, you know, like for him to outsnap him 36 to seven this week, you know, even if that's 36 to 13, that's still a hell of a lot more Randall Cobb snaps. Right. So, like, I guess outside of your opinion on what they should do, because I think yeah. you would prefer to see Gibson out there. Right. Definitely. I think like, do you would. expect change? Like, I don't really know what to expect personally. It is bye week. It is time for a change like that, you know? Right. Um, but I it's just one of those things. I don't know where they're going to move. Yeah, I think it would come hand in hand with, I think, Zach becoming more comfortable with the offense, which we have started to see. But as the mm -hmm. season goes on, because Randall Cobb, to me, more so than just being a guy out there, is essentially like another Nathaniel Hackett in Zach Wilson's huddle. Um, right. And he has just so much, you know, experience with the offense he was supposed to have experience with the quarterback. So obviously he hasn't, you know, he's still establishing that relationship here with Zach Wilson now, but um, I would hope that as things go along, because Xavier Gibson makes plays and Randall Cobb doesn't. And if you're an offense and you're a team that is now sitting at three and three after going through a pretty, you know, rough gauntlet first six games of the season. Look, playoffs are on the table with Zach Wilson right now. If a, if another quarterback comes back and, and takes over, Super Bowl potential could still be on, you know, it's, it's not to say that, you know, this team is that I keep thinking, like, if, if you had told me even that the Jets with Aaron Rodgers got through these first six games and we're at three and three or four and two, I would have been like, yeah, it's, that's fine. We played both Super Bowl, you know, opponents. We played a tough Dallas team, the bills, like I would have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been panicking no. at three and three with Aaron Rodgers here. So when I t look, take a look at this team, you know, 
the great teams find new ways to continue to develop as the season goes on. To me, this would be a later stage development where it's like, okay, we've got things really going really well with Garrett Wilson, you know, Lazard's getting his opportunities. The tight ends are involved in Brees. Now what is that next level? We can take things. And it's just, yeah. Hey, Randall Cobb, appreciate you being there and a steady hand for Zach Wilson. This guy on the field makes plays in Xavier Gibson. So we need to get him a few more opportunities out there. So I wouldn't maybe expect it out of the bye, but maybe, you know, come the, you know, week 10 or week 11, I think we could start to see his role continue because it's one of those things like how many times are you going to, you know, do it again and again? Like he's not impacting the game that much, Randall Cobb. Right. And, and we've got guys on here that could make an impact. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly. I do definitely think like in the short term and we'll see how it goes. I kind of see Gibson coming into sort of like a, a Kadarius Tony type of guy in um, in Kansas City where like maybe Xavier Gibson's only going to be on the field for, you know, 20 percent of snaps a game. But in those 20 percent, maybe half of those he's getting the ball, you know, like I think it. it, it he at least has the ability, you know, you saw the the 18-yard end around that we ran to him. Yep. You know, like he has that ability to be a gadget guy um, and, and you really just want to kind of get him the ball in space. So that's kind of what you're looking for, you know, if it's needed, because I, I do think it's one of those things where like if you're, they're just winning, they're not going to show their special Xavier Gibson plays. Right. Um, but if it's needed, you want to see him really just like get more design touches because – you know, this is a guy who's been electric with the ball in his hands this year. I just want the most talented players on the field. Yeah. And and Randall Cobb is is serving a very specific role right now. But I think as the year goes on and as Zach Wilson gets more comfortable and um, confident, his role isn't going to be as vital. Um, so hopefully as Zach goes up, the snaps for Cobb go down and we can get a guy like Xavier Gibson on the field a little bit more. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want why wouldn't you want your best playmakers on there? Um. A few of these other snap counts, honestly, I'm not too torn about. We don't really need to talk running backs to me because it's like Brees Hall was out there for 43 snaps. Dalvin Cook was out there for nine. It's a pretty good difference for me. Yeah, real um, quick, just like that that efficiency metric, like Dalvin Cook is like the least efficient um, running back in the NFL. It, you know, I have weird takes on Dalvin Cook because it feels weird to just completely ditch him, but it is one of those things where it's like, you put him out there and we're just not as explosive. He doesn't right. hit the holes as well as Brees, but you do also, you can't just have Brees out there always. Um, interest. We'll just keep watching that, you know, but what yeah. you said, nine snaps, it's not like Dalvin Cook's getting a ton of burn. No. Nope. Um, so nothing really to worry about there. Tight end snaps right around the same. Uzama at 24, Ruckert at 23. Um, you could take a look at, you know, the EPA per pass stuff that we were talking about with the receivers, you know, with Uzama on the field, they would rank 29th in the NFL. With Ruckert on the field, it'd be eighth in the NFL. I don't think we've been mad with Uzama's play. Yeah. Um. So it's not like a huge. I think conversation that stat is probably like a, a lot of um. You know, more just like coincidence or like like and, and early Ruckert's season out there stuff on too. Run situations, and then when we yeah. do pass, it's like, hey, I didn't expect you to get that many yards on a pass play there. You know, like things like that. So and if you I think Uzama's been fine. Yeah, and if you correlate the Jets' start to the season, Ruckert really right. wasn't on the field that much. So when things were going poorly for the offense, he wasn't really out there to have you know more yeah. of a negative grade on there. Um, the other one is something we've been monitoring for a couple of weeks now. Carl Lawson was out there for 21 snaps. Uh, to Will McDonald six. So at least he was active out there. 
Um, Sala, you know, at different points this year has said it's situational based. And we expected Carl Lawson to be active against Philadelphia because of their bigger offensive line. But we are not getting any impact from Carl Lawson yeah. again and again on in all facets. It would be one thing if he was bad overall and in the pass rush, but he was great run defense. His run defense is not great right now. It's 95th in the NFL. You know, Will McDonald isn't out there as much in run situations, but his grade would be 75th in the NFL. So it's it's like, look, kind of like what I was saying with with the Randall Cobb. It's like, just get our best playmakers out there right now. And 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 Carl Lawson just isn't one for us. Yeah. Yeah, he's been real disappointing, and he's just not being productive on the field. You know, like we had kind of said, like, you know, if if Randall or if Carl Lawson's inactive again and they're not using him, like it's time to move on. He was active; they did use him, um, and it's still time to move on. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it, it's just like a lack of production, and you have these young electric players in Huff and Jermaine and Will McDonald, where like like you said, like get the best players on the field. You want to be leaning on the guys who are producing for you. And just to continuously see kind of Carl Lawson, just not getting it done off the edge. you know, I'm really looking for, you know, this guy to get traded in the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline, just to get something out of him. And it's not to say that like, Will McDonald is the second coming of like young Jadavion oh, Clowney. No, not at all. But if you've got a young guy out there that has shown even just a little bit more and he's a rookie and he's, you know, what some would say maybe a raw prospect coming out of college, get him snaps in his rookie season, get him on the yeah. field. It doesn't be, doesn't mean that he needs to start taking snaps from Bryce Huff or Jermaine Johnson, but he shouldn't be losing snaps to Carl Lawson, who is not having an impact on this game anymore. Like get this guy reps when you can, because that is what's going to continue his development throughout a rookie season. You know, what if we get, to the, the final quarter of the season and and god forbid we have a you know a, a, an unfortunate injury at the edge position like we need a guy to step up and it's not we've seen that it's not going to be carl lawson that's going to step up so let's try and ramp up this young guy who right now is is at this level and he could be up here we just need to get to that point um so yeah i'm not great look, podcasting trade... there with the hands oh yeah the hands sorry <laughs> <laughs> we do this on yeah <laughs> that's funny youtube got that but i was I saying think they that, followed you know, yeah yeah, you could figure it out. But but here's my I, – I don't know what you could get in a trade for Carl Lawson. You know, the, we'll talk Nicole in a, in a second. And a guy that was inactive for a few games, we got a, you know, sixth-round pick while also giving away a seventh-round pick in 2025. For Carl Lawson, who's a lot older, who isn't impacting the game even when he is on the field, like I don't know what the value will be there. So whether it's a trade or he's just inactive or they caught him and let him sign somewhere else, like yeah. I don't know how much longer you can go along. Not to say that he's not, he's causing a, a disturbance for this team, but when he's out there, you are not getting any sort of impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not like he's like absolutely killing us, but it's just kind of like, Hey, we need you to be able to win off the edge. Exactly. Um, and, and I think this is the perfect transition because you say like, Hey, what can you get for him? It's like, sometimes you just got to scrape and scrape and scrape and get something for a guy. That's not really um, affecting your team. And a guy who's not um, going to be here next year, you know, like it's not like Carl Lawson yep. is locked into a deal to still be here next year. So if you can get anything from him, that's better than the nothing that you would get otherwise. Um, so yeah, me, Cole Hardman traded for, a six, seven pick swap in 2025, you know, which basically what that is, is a, Hey, we're going to cut this guy. 
Let's call a couple teams, see if they want to avoid, you know, having to deal with other teams on waivers and we'll give us something. And the Chiefs, who are familiar with Michael Hardman, um, he obviously was there for for the, the start of his career. Um, we're willing to make that deal. Um, and it's an interesting topic, this Miko thing, right? Because when you look in the grand scheme of how does this affect the 2023 Jets, you know, the answer is it doesn't a whole lot because doesn't. he hasn't played because he's been getting one or two snaps a game. Yeah. Um, but I think a bigger conversation to have, or at least potentially in my perspective, is, you know, it does seem like kind of an easy thing. We talked about Joe Douglas earlier, an easy thing to nitpick at because it's like, Hey, you said you had like, you brought this guy in, you paid him $4 million. Um, and then now you're not using him. Is that, you know, an L or a blemish for the GM for the front office? Um, what is your takeaway there when, when you saw this? It's not at all uh, to me, like any of the backlash toward it. It's not a blemish at all because what, they brought in Miko Hartman for a role. And then this undrafted guy that they found out of nowhere just does the role better. Like that happens across the league year in and year out. Like there are guys that just, you know, evaluators don't bat a thousand and sure yeah. you paid him 4 million, 4 million. They didn't make him one of the highest paid wide receivers in football. That's a very, and they got off the money. They sent him to Kansas city and they get a six round pick. They basically, you know, paid 4 million for a six round pick and, and then got off that 4 million. I, I just, to me, it's and Salah said this last week when asking about me cold being inactive is like you're taking away from the Xavier Gibson story. And yeah. yes, we just had a conversation of like we should be happy about the Xavier Gibson story, but he's still not getting his shine. But at least he is a guy that is there. Like at least they have a guy that they were more excited about than a me Cole. And so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fault them at all. They they had to trade Elijah Moore and they saw that they had a a part to their offense that was missing now without. Elijah Moore being in house. So they signed a guy that was available. And then a few months later, they found a guy that just does those things a little bit better. So um, I I'm, I'm fine with the deal. I mean, he wasn't doing anything. This doesn't, yeah. this doesn't change anything for this season or how I view, you know, Joe Douglas, his ability to sign free agents. Right. And I do, you know, especially when Miko got signed and stuff, like I did have those expectations for him to at least be a part of the offense but as we've talked about in weeks before, like the unexpectedness of like, hey, not only do we get Aaron Rodgers, but he wants to bring his boy Randall Cobb back and Randall Cobb's willing. So we're going to sign him, too. And then to hit on the undrafted free agent, it is definitely one of those things where it's just like. You like being a front office, right, it's it's taking shots and trying to build a um locker room of guys where you know you can have that next man up mentality you can have trust in a lot of different players and despite what they invested in him in the offseason they thought these other guys were going to be more capable um i do also think it shows us a little bit of like a probably a big part of that four million dollars in that signing was saying hey we want to have good special teams we are going to have mccall hardman be the punt returner kick returner you know and then it turned out he wasn't going to be doing that um so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I just wanted to kind of basically tee up for that because I knew what you were going to say. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, now, I, to me, this is, like, really a non-story. And if anything, it's it, it it's 
you know, the sunk cost fallacy, right? Of like, hey, we invested in this guy. Let's keep playing him because we'll look like idiots if we don't. It's like, no, like get your best players on the field. If Miko Hardman's not good enough to be getting on the field over Gibson or over Cobb, then don't put him in. And I'm happy that they got anything from him, you know, um, as opposed to just cutting him. So, yeah, you know, interesting move, but Wash to me overall uh, uh, expected and kind of like a non-issue. Yeah, non-issue at all. The only other thing that I would say based off this is I've seen a lot recently about like, oh, does this mean we're going to go trade for Hunter Renfro? Or, oh, Devontae Adams said that he was upset with his role. Like, to me, and, and I said this even in the offseason, I was like, even when Miko was there, I was like, I, we're set at wide receiver. Like, what in this offense? Like, yeah, it would be great to then bring in another guy, but are we saying then that Lazard was a wash? Or like, what are we doing? Because if Randall Cobb is out there and we trade Miko because we have Xavier Gibson, like where is the room on the field for another guy like that? So I just, I personally don't think there's another trade to be made unless Devontae Adams comes out next week. And he's like, like Aaron Rodgers, I intend to play football for the New York Jets. Like, <laughs> unless something like that happens, I just don't see another move at receiver because I don't see in the offense where it all fits and makes sense. Yeah. I definitely think that's an interesting perspective because I've been wondering about kind of your thoughts on that. Cause you definitely, you know, you trade a receiver it seems like we could have a little bit more production. Um, so it's definitely a topic to to discuss. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things, right? It's like, if I thought the Jets were going to trade for a receiver, I feel like they would have done it this week, you know, or like yeah. something like that. Get him in for I wouldn't buy. hate the move at all. You know, if we sign, obviously Devontae Adams is like a different story because he's, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. But if we, you know, trade for a Cortland Sutton for not a ton or trade for a Jerry Judy, like I do think there is room, you know, like to not play Randall Cobb as much, to not have to rely on the undrafted free agent to get someone a little more established. But kind of with what you're saying, you know, like people want to point to like, oh, what has uh, Alan Lazard done this season? What has Randall Cobb done this season? I largely think that's just been a, a factor of an offense that hasn't fully clicked, an offense that has been struggling. And in a lot of games, hasn't really been committed to the past, you know, so you're not going to see that production. Um, so do I think a trade is possible for wide receiver? Yes, but I am kind of with you that I think it's probably more likely that we just roll. Um, yeah. I want to see Xavier Gibson get more reps. I want to see if he can become someone you can rely on. And I also right. hope that this means that we're going to get to see Jason Brownlee suit up and maybe get a couple plays a cool. game, you know, yeah. just, he was an exciting guy in camp an exciting guy who also made the team, um, doesn't have the special teams upside with being a returner, but it would be kind of fun. You know, that was a great story in the off season. I'd like to see him, you know, play, see how he can do. Yeah. To me, if there was a star that wanted to come and play for the Jets, go right ahead and make that deal. But to me, like a Hunter Renfro doesn't really move the needle for me. I'll even say this. Jerry Judy doesn't move the needle for me. I, this guy was, you know, put out. See, as Jerry like, Judy moves, the, moves the needle for me, but what's he has been nothing in this league so far. I mean, he's had yeah. flashes of like two or three games at a time, but like, I hate to say, you know, the Steve Smith drama that happened this past week, he is kind of just a guy. And it's been a few years now with different quarterbacks. So like, to me, Maybe it's one of those change of sceneries, but I just no one outside of like a star is moving the needle for me in this offense because I think this offense has already kind of figured itself out. Yeah, I mean, it's in, I see I'm kind of like uh, I have a different perspective. Like I, I obviously would love to get Devontae Adams, but I don't really think 
that we're going to give up a ton of capital. To me, I think getting kind of just a, a more established middle of the road, just a guy type player um, would be a little bit more re realistic. And you look to those Broncos guys because they're struggling so much and, and you don't really expect them to pay Judy and Sutton um, again. Um, so I'd be open to it. And, sure. and I, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't think anything's getting done at the end of the day. Anything else that you want to go over, brother? How you feel? I don't know. You want, any fun plans for your bye week? No. Well, you know, I have been seeing, and I know our answers. I've, I've been seeing this a lot on Jets Twitter. Those kind of, it, it, like, kind of people throwing it out of, like, as a Jets fan, do you, like, take a bye, you know, and go to a pumpkin oh. patch on the bye week <laughs> and, you know, Fuck and no. or do you just watch the football games, you know? And, and I think a majority of the poll I saw was, I'm still going to be watching the football games. That's how Blake and I definitely are. I mean, Blake's yeah. obviously a Colts fan. We're addicted to gambling and fantasy football and all those oh, fun yeah. things that come with it. Um, yeah, I was actually going to go to a fall type, you know, pumpkin patch esque nice. place on Saturday, but it looks like it's going to rain. So I think I'm just mm. going to have to stay home and watch college yep. football this Saturday. What a shame. <laughs> what a what shame. A bummer. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm definitely, I guess my last question for you, do you have a preference of a team getting an early buy or a late buy? I'll give you my answer mm. quick. I like this week. I've a little bit felt like I like the early buy because um, I'm excited to get it out of the way and yeah. not have to deal <laughs> with the Jets not playing again. But I yeah. do think all in all for a team, probably a little bit better to have that later if especially if yeah. you're gonna make a playoff push um but what is it week six i mean pretty early buy for the jets very this, this year yeah, very early um buy. i i'm always preference of the late buy i just yeah. especially if you're if you're a team that's looking for the playoffs now this is a this is one of those ones where i almost double hate this buy because we've finally seen three weeks in a row of competitive uh jets football yeah. especially both sides it's complimentary football over the last three weeks so now that we're just sitting here i'm like oh, i hate that the train can't keep rolling and we have a uh, it's not like we're playing a great team next you know next sunday no i don't want to undermine the giants and say that the we'll giants. roll them but you know they're not that great right now so hopefully we don't lose too much steam off the bye i always prefer the late one just because better rest before you head up into the postseason and if you're there if you're lucky to be there and then yeah. I, yeah. And so like we that. are, um, you know, we have this game <laughs> against the giants. I'm looking, I'm looking at the past two years, um, how we've done off the bye because I had a, I, I had a memory that we haven't looked too great. Um, in 2021 off the bye, we played the Patriots and we lost 54 to 13. Oh, good. And then in 22 off the bye, we played the Patriots and that was the infamous 10, three loss. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our offense coming off the bye definitely needs to improve a little bit. Definitely yeah. something to look for that we want to see, you know, coaches should be good off a of bye. You have more time to prepare, right? You're, you're coming off a of bye while the other team isn't. So you have more rest. Um, so yeah, definitely intrigued. We'll obviously have the pod next week to really break down that game. Um, but, you know, this schedule does open up after the bye. And 
you know, it's exciting to be three and three, right? But mm-hmm. if we want to be a playoff team, let's just say we need 10 wins. That's only four losses the rest of the season. You know, you got to be able to go um, seven and four. So still some work to do. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah. Three this week was stretch. big to like put me back in a place where I think the Jets can win games week to week. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, we march on. Ready to go. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Make sure to follow us on socials at myj underscore chasing69. Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake. Enjoy your bye week, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday or Thursday. Thanks. Peace. <laughs>